anymore. I think you can, the fishermen there, and you can, tourists go there. We were close to it. We didn't go get in close to it. The name of Philippi, before it was Philippi, was Crenides. Now you always wanted to know that. Now you. It changed in 356 BC after a battle of Philippi. Let's see. Brutus and all them old ones. That's where it got worked out there. Roman Empire ruled that. Uh, and King Philip II of Macedonia named it after himself. So Philip, Philippi. All right. There were gold mines there. That made it a little interesting for people. Well, anytime there's gold, you know, that, that draws people. I don't care what age it was, it draws people. You had gold discovered on the Klondike. Uh, that's up in Alaska, northern Canada. Rough weather, but it was full of people until the gold played out. Now it's, it's played out. So gold attracts people. This letter is a little different from some of the others because Paul doesn't rebuke this church like some of the others. Look, hold your place there and look at Acts 16. Paul dealt with the church at Philippi on his second and his third journey. But you can tell a lot by Acts 16 here. <clears throat> then came he to Derby and to Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess and believed. But his father was a Greek, so there's Timothy. So when the church of Philippi has begun, Timothy's there with him. Uh, his father which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they knew all that his father was a Greek. So he did that just as a uh, help with the Jews. The other time he thought it would compromise the gospel. This time it didn't. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, took a circumcision, yeah. Verse 4, and as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. So there, the instructions from the brethren at Jerusalem are there as decrees. And so were the churches established in the faith. The churches, plural. The faith. Not just faith, the faith. Amen. The whole system of doctrine. And increased in number daily. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia 
Now that's a part of Asia Minor. At one time it was a major part of uh, Asia Minor. And the region of Galatia. We just finished the book of Galatians. And that was written to the churches of Galatia. And were forbidden of or by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Well, the sometime the Lord withhold his word. And the answer is absolutely. After they were come to Mysia, they assayed. Now, you know what the old assayer's office was. If you ever watched an old Western, they had to go to the assayer's office and see if this was real gold or not or how much gold they had. And so they assayed, they trying to find out the Lord's will to go, they wanted to go to uh, Bithynia. That's in the northern part of Asia Minor. But the Spirit suffered or allowed them not. So now they're, the, the Lord, they want to go preach, and the Lord won't let them go. We don't know that anybody ever filled, filled their place and went behind them. We don't know that. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. That's right on the coast. And a vision there appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia. And prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. Now, you know, I have no idea why God wouldn't allow him to go to Bithynia or to Asia. And then... Gives him a vision to come to Macedonia. Is it back there he wanted to? I kind of think that's it. Huh? After he had seen the vision in media, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And therefore loosing from Troas, it's on the coast, and now they're on a, I don't know, a boat or a raft or something. We came with a straight course to Samothracia and the next day to Neapolis. Now notice that name, Neapolis. I think Nea is for new. Polis is Greek for city, new city. And from thence to Philippi. So Neapolis is right up to the east of Philippi. You look on your maps. Your Bible maps of Paul's journeys. You can see these. Philippi. Which is the chief city. Of that part of Macedonia. So at this time. Philippi is a pretty prosperous place. And a colony. That would be a Roman. Colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. Wont to be often made. Didn't have a synagogue. You're up in Gentile land now. But people gathered still where they could gather. 
by a river. We sat down and spake unto the women which were resorted thither. That doesn't mean resorted, they, that's where they'd come. And they were sitting down and resorted thither there. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira. When I remember Thyatira, by now we're pretty good distance away from Thyatira. It's over in Asia Minor, one of the seven churches there. So there's this, if you don't have a superhighway or an airport, that's a long ways. In which worship God, they heard us, whose heart the Lord opened. Well, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Now, what does that mean? Well, when she was baptized, ah, that must be the kicker there. What's mean she attended to the things spoken of by Paul? Obviously, salvation and service, baptism, and that's what happened. Verse 15, when she was baptized and her household. Now that doesn't mean infants. Presbyterians, baby baptizers, that and in the, with the, uh, in the jail, the jailer, they say, well, and thy house. Obviously there were babies in the house, so they did sprinkle babies there. That's how they justify that. And that's, that's all they've got to justify it, and that's not a justification. Anyway, I bring those points up to let you be forewarned. If somebody ever brings it up to you, you'll, you know what you're talking about. So, she was baptized and her household. That means everybody in her household that was able to receive, repent and believe the gospel. She besought us, saying, If you all have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house. Now, what, a, what an attitude. If you, if you think I've been faithful to the Lord and follow the Lord, I'd love for you all to come to my house. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? Come into my house and abide there. Remain there. And she constrained us by that, by that kind of constraint, not force, constraint. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. And the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, was showing to us the way of salvation. That's what that woman is saying. A certain damsel. And this did she many days. My. But Paul being grieved turned and said to the spirit. I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now, I don't know how she was doing all what she was doing. She was still possessed. But now the demon comes out. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains, 
They were using her uh, to sell stuff. Was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates, we still have magistrates, they don't have the power mainly the police do, but they some places they've had through the police. And the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had left the Jews beating them, the Jews had a limit. Forty stripes, only they wouldn't go to that fortieth, they should have thirty nine. These heathen didn't have any limits. So nobody knows how many, but it says many stripes. They cast them into prison. Guarantee you they didn't treat their wounds. Charging the jailer to keep them safely. Don't let them loose. That's what he meant. Who having received such a charge. Thrust them. Threw them. Into the inner prison. Now that's not the one everybody sees at first. That's the one that's way back where there ain't no daylight. No windows. No vent. And made their feet fast in the stocks. Now I'm sure when they did that they had a lantern. But I'm sure they took the lanterns with them. So there's Paul and Silas. They've already had the stuffings beat out of them. And when they beat them, they beat them. They didn't play around with them. And they knew how to do it. Now they're thrown into the inner prison. There's no daylight. You can imagine what the stink was. They're in stocks and bonds. They can't move. Can you imagine what kind of a mess you'd be in? If you were, if your feet and hands and probably your neck was in stocks and you couldn't move what would happen you know good and well what would happen day in and day out and what horrible horrible mess <laughs> but here's apostle paul and silas the boy they're down now aren't they <laughs> no you don't know you don't know them at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Now be real honest about it. Do you think you could be doing the same thing? I hope that I could. But I don't know. I've never been put to that test. Anyway, the prisoners heard them. Evidently, they're in there by themselves. Yeah. The rest of the prisoners is not 
treated that miserably. Now you understand what they're in there for. They drove the demons out of a, out of a woman. Doing the Lord's work. But suddenly, there was a great earthquake. I just saw a road in, in Japan, a big four-lane highway, just buckled like that. Earthquakes over there. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword not to kill somebody else, but to fall on it. He would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. He had to, he had to fill out their time. If they escaped on him, But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. What an attitude. <laughs> what an attitude. He threw him into prison. Threw him in there, then put him in stocks and bonds. Now look what they're doing with him. Do thyself no harm. Then he called for a light. I guess that's the jailer did that. And sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. The worm has now turned <laughs> and brought them out. I remember one time. Preaching down on Lee Road Street years ago. And it was snowing. And these people wanted us to come in come in their house. And I took one step inside and I said, No, nah, we'll just we'll preach out here on the porch. It smells so bad in there, I just I couldn't get my Concentration on preaching. So we stayed outside in the snow and preached. <laughs> I didn't tell them that, but no, we just stay out here. I don't invade your privacy. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Amen. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Now that didn't mean there's baby baptizing going on there. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. Anybody got any sense to know that right there would tell you one of those babies. <laughs> and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. I assume the jailer did that. And was baptized, he and all his Straightway, that means immediately. And when he had brought them into the house, into his house, he set meat before them 
and rejoiced, believing God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeants, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this, saying to Paul, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. Paul said, Oh, gee whiz, let... No, he didn't either. <laughs> Paul said unto them, They talked about Rome. At least two references in here. That bunch talking about Rome. Paul said unto them, They have beaten us openly uncondemned. That means we haven't been charged with anything, haven't been convicted of anything. Being Romans, they didn't know he and Silas were Romans and have cast us into prison and now they do thrust us out privily or privately. Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words to the magistrates and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. Now they know, see, it is not wrong to use your civil rights. Paul is using his civil rights here. Some, most preachers try to say that it is wrong for us to use our civil rights. Like they say, they say you can't sue anybody. I've told some pastors, I said, you need to read the scriptures. You need to write and divide the word of truth because you don't know what you're talking about. The only way that holds up is if it's two members of the same church. We do not give up our civil rights by becoming a child of God. Now, we may not have any. Many of our brethren have never had any civil rights. They don't have any choice. But we have civil rights. We've got a constitution. We've got the Bill of Rights. And we need to exercise our Bill of Rights. If we don't, we won't have it. That's it. The right to keep and bear arms. I keep them. Bear means to carry. I don't need a concealed carry. This law has no right to stop anybody, any law-abiding citizen from carrying a gun. If people would stand up to them, a bunch of cowards back up from them. Well, anyway, Paul's not backing up from them. Now you're going to come and get us out yourself. You're the one that did it, you're going to stand on it. And so... They came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. Now there is the organization, the beginnings of the church at Philippi. Well, you had uh, a mixed group there. You had Lydia, she was from uh, 
Thyatira. The jailer was there from Philippi and don't know where the slave girl was from. She may have been from Africa, you know. Very well could have been. Uh, that'd get into your racial stuff, wouldn't it? Which didn't exist. Anyway, there's the beginning of the church at Philippi. Now, verse 1 of chapter 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants. That word servant means doulos, it's slave. Servants of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. Notice he's not talking about dead people. They're at Philippi, above ground, walking, breathing. When Roman Catholics talk about saints, they're dead people. That's not scripture. The saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Now that's our word episkopos and diakonos. Okay, bishops and deacons. I'll get into this when I get into the trail of blood. But all your early books, even some so-called Baptist history books, but especially the Protestant books and all that and Catholics and all that, they take these churches in the first, second, third, and fourth century and when they see bishop, they latch on to that as Catholic. But you see, the word bishop just means pastor. Not presiding over other preachers, but a, a bishop over the church, an individual church, whatever size it is. And so when you read books and even commentaries, we find this out in our class, don't we, brother? That even commentaries we might use, you got to watch them. Brother Brown always said there's only one book that he will recommend without reservation. And that's his King James Bible. All others are suspect. You can't open your mind to everything they say because everything they say is not necessarily right. But the Bible's completely different. All right, so when you see bishops and deacons like this, it's talking about just pastors and servants of the churches. Grace be unto you and peace. If you got no grace, you got no peace. From God our Father... And from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now no way you can mistake God there. No way. Very, very plainly identified. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Paul had good remembrances of the people of Philippi. I always in every prayer of mine. For you all making requests with joy. So he brought pleasure to the apostle Paul. For your fellowship in the gospel from the, very, from the first day until now. From the first day 
we got started on the right foot. And the fellowship, now that word is koinonia in the Greek. And it means fellowship, but it also has money involved in it. And that's what he's saying. These people have not only loved him, they've supported him monetarily. And that's what he's talking about. Uh, and then verse 6, well, he says, being confident. I love it when he says that. No doubt of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Well, he which hath begun, that's pretty plain, isn't it? What is that good work that he began in them? I believe it's new birth. Amen. It's salvation. Look how that jailer changed. He changed on the spot. I mean, he throws them in the dungeon, puts them in stocks, slams the door on them, has no light in there, and went on his way. Now at midnight, I don't know how long they'd been in there, but there they are praying and singing, and boy, he's done... His whole world has collapsed on him. That earthquake and those doors, the prison doors come open and he just knows he's dead. This is it. And that old preacher that, that he threw in that mess, in that awful mess, said, don't harm yourself. We're still here. How do you do that? They could have run and nobody ever caught them again. They could have got out of town before daylight. And now the Lord has done brought him down. What must I do to be saved? <laughs> he wouldn't have asked that for a million dollars two hours ago. Or maybe less time. Now God's done a work of grace in him. And Paul tells them all, I'm confident that he which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it. Epi Teleo. <laughs> That's the Greek word. Epi, two words, and teleo. Complete it. <laughs> Paul doesn't miss a trick, does he? I mean, the Lord has not started a good work in you and going to bring it about halfway to being quit. 
He's going to fulfill that work to the nth degree. And then the day of the Lord will come. Amen. <laughs> All right. Even as it is meet or suitable for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. His confidence that he's confident that they're saved. That God began a good work on them, he's gonna perform it till, till it's complete. Oh, incidentally, it won't be complete until we're with the Lord. Anyway. Uh, for God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. But I understand, Paul's in prison himself now. He's in prison at Rome. Others say he's Caesarea. I believe he's in prison at Rome. But he's in prison nonetheless. So why does he say this? Uh, how greatly I long after you all, desire. Well, because he, he's in prison, he can't get to them. After, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. I want you to, you're not there yet. You, you started off right, you started good, and God's going to finish his work in you. But I want you to grow, and I want your knowledge to increase, and I want your judgment. Now, it doesn't mean sitting on a judgment throne. Your judgment. Judgment of things in your life. Who should I run with and not run with? Such things as that. What should I do here? That kind of judgment. There you go, that you may approve things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Well, he's talking about that day in verse 6. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. That which righteous living produces. Which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Amen. He knows that they're in a quandary over him, being in prison. But he said, I want you to know that the things that have happened to me They've fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. The gospel has been spread further by me being in this. See, that would be very much like what Joseph told his brethren. You meant this to me for evil, but God meant it for good. Put me in a ditch. Sold me out to slavery. You meant it evil. But God meant it for good. These things that look like they're bad, but they have increased the spread of the gospel. That word 
uh, furtherance. It's used in verse 25 and also in 1 Timothy. I thought this would be interesting. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. The word profiting is the same word as furtherance. It's used furtherance twice and profiting here once, three times is all. So preachers, give yourself wholly to study and wholly to them and that your profiting, how you gain from that may appear to all. Furthering. Anyway. So that my bonds in Christ, verse 13, are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. The palace, well, that's king. Yeah. Look over the last verse or the last chapter. What's it? Chapter 4, verse 22. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. <laughs> here you got the palace over here. You've been working, hasn't you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and many of the brethren, in verse 14, in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds. There's one of the ways it fell out to the furtherance of the gospel. But brethren, getting more confidence. So, well, Brother Paul can go through this. We can do what we got to do. And are much more bold to speak the word without fear. We need that today. We all need that today. Now, he says, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. Some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention and sincere, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. I'm not sure that I know exactly how people were preaching Christ of envy and strife, but it must be that they're envying the gifts of Paul. Paul is an able expositor of the word of God. Envy and strife, no telling them what's going on in their minds, that they bring Problems down on Paul. He got it as if he hadn't got enough problems. And there they are supposed to. But then also some of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. But the other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. Now, the word defense is the Greek word apologia. 
apology. One time I came with a message, said, I'm going to make an apology this morning. And everybody just, what have you done? <laughs> then I explained that an apologetic is a defense of the gospel or whatever you're talking about. It's a defense of the faith. All right. And that's what they focus on at the Creation Museum. Wanting everybody to be able to defend the faith. Apologetics. There is another branch of speaking, preaching, teaching that you don't hear much talk about it, but it's actually my favorite one. Polemical. An, apolo an apologist is one who makes a defense of the faith. A polemicist is one attacks with it, gets on with it. Anyway, I like, I like polemicals. Anyway, verse 18, what then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Even those that don't have the right attitude, if they're preaching the gospel, I rejoice. If the gospel is being preached, preachers that are not called, people that are have not the right attitude, if they'll just be faithful to the word, God can use it. We'll use that. That's all he uses anyway. God does not use my attitude to save anybody. And God does not send somebody to hell because my attitude ain't right. He just tells me to sow the seed. Anyway, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. This is going to be worked out here. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Paul doesn't give us some ridiculous notion that, oh, everything's going to be okay. That's not what he's saying. But he said, Christ is going to be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. And I think that ought to be on all of our hearts. For me, to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He didn't say to live is Christ. He said to me, to live is Christ 
and to die is gain. Is it to you? It was to Paul. It isn't to everybody. Now, some think I maybe take this a little too far. I don't think I do. I don't have much control over much of anything. I don't know when I'm going to kick the bucket, but I will sometime. It may not be long. By all calculations, it shouldn't be too long. I ain't feeling bad, but I mean, you know, uh, it's getting about that time. I pretty much can control what I got my right mind, can do something, what I actually do now. But now when that breath of life leaves me, it's over. I can't control anything. If I can control it, I need to control it right now. In other words, here's what I'm talking about. Is it important for this church to continue on? Amen. Do you all believe this church is one that is the Lord's and we're doing a work of holding forth the word of life? Amen. When we die, have we made provision for this church? Now let me tell you. You better have it certified and you better have it in writing because families seldom ever do anything favorable to the Lord's church. I've, 52 years is what I've seen. Seldom do they ever do it. So you better have your stuff written down and certified and have it on record with a lawyer that, that it can't be broken. I mean, let me tell you, if everybody just kind of gets sick and fades away and die, this church can die. God didn't promise perpetuity to this church. He promised it to his kind of churches, but a church can, can die out. And so I think we do a lot of good here. We do a lot of stuff. But folks, we need... And we need to say whether it be by life or by death, I want Christ magnified in my body and whatever I possess. I'll quit there. We'll take it up again.